Welcome to the Hacking Happy Podcast, a podcast designed to arm you with the tools and experiments that enable you to define happiness on your terms and inject more of it into each day. I'm your host, Penny Lacasso. I'm the world's first happiness hacker, and I have a bold mission, a mission to teach 10 million humans how to realize happiness on their terms by 2025. So if you're ready to ignite your self-belief and eject more of what makes you feel good into each day, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacking Happy Podcast. Let's start with somewhere different today. I thought I'd get you to perhaps just close down your eyes for a moment and just consider this. When I say the word fear, what comes into your head? Don't feel too, don't judge. Just notice what comes into your head when I say the word fear. You might want to write it down and reflect on it after the podcast. Fear is the one thing that feels, I think, pervasive at the moment, especially here where I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I suspect in many other places in Australia and around the world who are also experiencing long-term lockdowns that seem to just keep coming back. As I record this podcast in Melbourne, we have just had a one-week snap lockdown extended to four weeks at best. We've got a curfew that's been implemented from 9pm to 5am each day. And perhaps the saddest thing of all, especially for those parents who I see every day already so challenged with trying to work and homeschool kids, the government has decided to close down playgrounds. Now, every lockdown, every lockdown extension or increase in restrictions seems to chip a little bit more away from the fabric of humanity. And I have to be honest, it has been completely visible the shift in people's behaviour, the shift in people's mental health has been significant. Each lockdown, it gets more disturbing. Noticing the fear that I felt, I think, and also so many I could see feeling, and also, I suppose, feeling the weight of uncertainty. I recently decided to try something new on. I'm all about experimenting constantly so that I can hack my mind and my happiness so that I can actually truly still enjoy life at a time where it feels like everything's up in the air. So a dear friend of mine, Julia May, suggested that I try um, Deepak Chopra's 21-Day Abundance Challenge. I'll pop the link in the show notes for anyone who's interested. I'd highly recommend it. I'll explain why. Now, Jules didn't say much else other than this challenge, which was pretty easy to undertake, had really helped her in the past. So I did my research and thought, well, I already meditate and journal each morning. I'll just use those practices and combine them with the 21-day meditation challenge so it doesn't add any extra to my day. It's just something that I weave into what I already do. Now, I'm now 14 days into this abundance challenge and I found myself leading a group of 20 others who were desperate to join me in the current I think environment and just looking for something that was going to give them 
a lift. And I have to be honest, the impact has been profound on a number of people, including myself. This really simple challenge has helped focus my attention each day on all the things that I have in my life rather than focusing on the things that I don't or I can't do at the moment. It's even helped me celebrate the smallest wins each day and acknowledge them. And I can't tell you how that small act has such a huge impact when you continue to practice it. Most fundamentally, it's reminded me that every situation we face, every uncertainty we face at the moment, every fear that creeps in around that uncertainty, in each of these situations, there are always, always two ways to look at them, constructively or destructively. Two ways to look at every situation. And I don't know about you, and I'm including myself in this, at the moment it feels like for many of us we have a bias towards one of those ways. And I wonder how it might help shift our mindsets and our approach to fear if we actually challenged ourselves to look at the uncertainty through a different lens, perhaps from the opposite perspective to the one that we find ourselves naturally, unconsciously gravitating to. Let me share with you a little example of what I'm talking about here. I've been doing a lot of reading lately, seeking out information and data on the mental health implications of COVID which I feel are underreported and not given the transparency that is needed to address what I believe will be the biggest challenge we face as a society beyond this pandemic, especially in the next generation. And I'm not talking next generation in terms of, you know, 18 to, say, 28. I'm talking about children my son's age and the mental health problems that we are seeing permeate through that age group now after over a year in homeschooling, a year in lockdowns. And I'm being specific here to Melbourne, but based on the research that I've read in all sort of pandemic situations where people are confined for long periods of time, the mental health impacts are significant and well reported already. Now, I've become really passionate about understanding deeply patterns, interconnections, and where the opportunities lie to help build mental wealth in our society rather than wait till people are at breaking point, which is what we're seeing at the moment. We're not being proactive in this space at all in terms of helping people build skills that will enable them to navigate this uncertainty from a place of intention and meaning. So I recently came across an article, which again, I'll pop in the show notes if you're interested, that quoted prominent psychiatrist and former Australian of the Year, Patrick McGorry. He shared that 3,425 calls were made to Lifeline on August 5th this year. That's 2021. And although it was good that people were seeking help, worryingly, callers were expressing more anger compared to during last year's lockdowns. Now, his exact words, and I quote, Last time around, we saw a lot of anxiety. This time, we're seeing a lot of anger. Anger is a much more dangerous emotion for people's mental health. Disturbing, right? 
Now, then I went and read, again, just looking for information, a loneliness pre-budget report written by the Federal Treasury here in Australia that urged the government to address major gaps to deliver a more sustainable, effective and efficient response to loneliness in order to promote the social recovery of all Australians. The report also went on to say that one in two Australians reported feeling lonelier since the onset of COVID, no surprises there. And equally, based on previous infectious diseases research, it is likely that poor mental health triggered by COVID will be persistent even after the immediate public health crisis ends. So the government is aware of the fact that this mental health crisis is going to be way more significant than COVID in a few years' time. Well, if not already, I mean, seriously, if that's not enough, according to the Mental Health Inquiry report, mental ill health and suicide cost the Australian economy between $43 billion and $70 billion a year. Now, that's for the year 2018 to 2019, which was the last recorded piece of research around those numbers. Hey, I thought I might just press pause briefly and ask you a question. Are you a leader with a deep-seated passion for developing adaptable people who thrive both in and out of work? But do you have a team that is busy, burnt out and overwhelmed by uncertainty? If the answer is a massive hell to the yes, why not bring a little hacking happy into your workplace? Check out my new range of keynotes and programs that can help you amplify the potential and most importantly, the happiness of your people. Go to hackinghappy.co to find out more. And now back to the podcast. So imagine what those numbers would be now that we're in COVID life. So those numbers were pre-COVID. What is the mental health or the mental ill health of Australians costing us now, because I guarantee it's going to be way higher than that $70 billion from 2019. Now, part of all of this information, I'm just brain dumping here some of, the, some of the stuff that I've come across, and it will all make sense in a moment. Partner that information with the fact that I speak to mums from school, uh, friends who are parents in the park each day. I speak to dog owners who I know really well, who are also parents. And I cannot tell you how consistent the stories are. And the stories are consistently about how their child's mental health has significantly shifted over the past year. One of my girlfriends who teaches year 11 and 12 students here at a public school in Victoria shared with me that the number one response at the moment when she asks her students how they are feeling is the word numb. Let's take a breath for a moment. Let's connect us back to two things to bring all of this information into context and something that perhaps we can do something with. The more I dig into this situation, into this data, into this anecdotal evidence that complements the data, the more I fear for the mental health of Australians. Today, in this podcast, it's all about reconnecting with the fact that there are two ways to look at everything, even the mental health crisis. So that is the challenge I gave myself and 
it's the challenge I gave myself that helped me flip my view from paralysis fear, yeah, the kind that drops us into that spiral of it all feeling like shit. It helped me shift to a perspective of what can I do? Yeah, so again, two ways to look at everything. The first way is that paralysis fear that so many of us feel when we see information like what I've just shared with you. It's like, oh, my God, it's paralyzing. But we can switch our mindset. We can reframe and take a constructive view on every situation rather than this spiral of destructive that I know I've played in and I know so many others feel trapped in at the moment. I find the best way to do this is by asking a really simple question. And it's when I feel the fear, when I look at what makes me feel fearful, I ask myself, what can I do about it? What is within my control? What can I do that will help me navigate this uncertainty with intention and meaning? So when I posed these questions in the context of that data and the anecdotal evidence that I just shared, I came up with a surprising answer. I mentioned last week briefly in the podcast that I decided to use my fear as an opportunity for growth and positive impact and go back to university and undertake my master's in psychology. It feels uncomfortable. The path isn't clear as to where it will lead, but damn, I can't tell you how this simple reframe of what can I do, how can I influence this situation, has helped me feel so good. Like I've got real purpose again. Not that, I mean, I've always been pretty clear on my purpose, but this has given me sort of that renewed energy around the impact that I seek to have. I wonder as you listen to this, whether now might feel like the right time for you to imagine what it would look like for you to make fear your friend, like I did in this particular situation, like I'm continuing to challenge myself to do by this idea of there are always two ways to look at every situation. The reality is that fear provides us with the opportunity to look at the world through a different lens, but often we resist it, we avoid it, which I think is crazy because within that fear, if we're really truly willing to step into it and explore it, lies the most magical opportunities, significant growth for you, potential, and I guarantee you unrealized happiness. Imagine what it would look like to ask the question, what would happen if you used fear as an accelerator rather than a handbrake at the moment? What would it feel like to unshackle yourself from fear and become courageous enough to believe you can in the current environment? This is where I want to play. It's where I'm focusing my energy at the moment. I'm on a personal quest to build the mental wealth of Australians and it fucking starts now. I've been talking about this for the last few podcasts. I've spent years using the best science and experimentation to teach myself and thousands of others around the world how to use fear to navigate uncertainty and to shape the change we seek in a way that is truly meaningful. And it feels like now more than ever we need these skills. 
We need to build our courage practice because the more we lean into fear, the more we build our resilience muscles, which provides a foundation to navigate this shit show that we find ourselves in, this shit show of uncertainty that so many feel like it's a never-ending like roller coaster ride. So here is my invitation to you today. If you find fear is holding you back, if you would like to look at fear through a different lens, one that enables you to move from this space of paralysis to possibility, I'd love to invite you to the upcoming free Fearless You webinar, a one hour lesson in how to make fear your friend. In this free live training, we're going to cover off a couple of really simple things. Firstly, why fear is one of the greatest levers you have available to you to realize the life that you want now. You're going to work with me to redefine fear and look at it through a different lens, one that enables you to take healthy action around what matters most to you. We're going to cover off how to build your self-belief and unlock potential through the practice of getting comfortable with discomfort. And I'm going to give you a couple of simple hacks to positively shift your mindset from barrier to opportunity when fear presents. So if that feels like it might be something that would be really useful to you right now, simply jump into the show notes and click the link to register for the upcoming Fearless You webinar, 2nd and 3rd of September. We have different times to accommodate for different time zones. I would absolutely love to see you there. And as you walk into the week ahead, I invite you to try on the idea of there are always, as we've been talking about, two ways to look at everything. Challenge yourself when you find yourself looking at a situation, looking at a choice through a very narrow singular lens, challenge yourself to flip that to the complete opposite. Now, you may end up sticking with the view that you started with, but challenging yourself to shift that different perspective will open your mind to more possibility, different perspectives, different ways of solving that challenge and ideally ways to not make things feel like such a burden, ways to uplift and feel better in each day, which I think is just so critical at the moment. So as you walk into the week ahead, as I mentioned, right, challenge yourself. Two ways to look at everything. Remind yourself of that. It's a brilliant way to build this skill in navigating uncertainty from a place of intention and meaning. Stay safe and if you are suffering at the moment and feel you could use a little help, please leverage the resources in the show notes. No one should have to navigate what's going on at the moment alone. Until next week, happiness looks good on you. Bye for now. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Hacking Happy podcast. If there was something that ignited a flame or sparked a thought within you, from this conversation, please take a screenshot and share it on your preferred social media platform. Feel free to tag me in Hacking Happy Co or Penny Lacalso. Reviews are so important to reaching my goal of making 10 million beautiful humans just like yourself happier. So if you enjoyed your listen, please take a moment, 
leave a review and a rating on your preferred podcast listening platform. Until the next episode, remember, happiness looks good on you. Bye for now.